Well, you know, last week, uh, John Cantor was here, and he did a great job. Uh, uh, and in the morning, he talked about Psalm 90, and I just wanted to say, oh, I wanted to say this before all the adults left the room. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, that, um, you know, we went away last uh, Shabbat morning thinking, ay, ay, ay. If I'm if I'm seventy or if, if I'm seventy or above, it's like I'm running out of gas. And today in the Torah portion, we learn that you can still have babies, right? Wow! So there's a lot going on. Wow! Does that mean that the Bible is inconsistent? I don't. Oh, anyway. All right. <laughs> so I know that just struck me when we were reading that this morning. Uh, anyway, anyway. Well, yes, we had our Torah conference last week, and appreciate everyone's participation in coming uh, and all of that, and I know that uh, John really enjoyed it. He has not been in too many congregations like Beth Messiah, and uh, uh, he was, uh, we'll just say, mightily impressed, uh, and that was a good thing. That was a good thing. So that's uh, wonderful. Well, you know, um, we are going to today... Believe it or not, I don't know if you remember, you may not remember, but we still have a couple of more messages to give in 1 John. You know, once we hit uh, Rosh Hashanah, you know, it's like the, the train's off the tracks, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so I wanted to uh, go to chapter 5 here and talk about overcoming the world. That's what, this is where you read about that, overcoming the world. And you know we are living in um, we're living in serious times, not just in the United States, but around the world, everywhere, everywhere. The culture uh, is uh, is a seemingly a very dark place these days. And I don't know about you, but I the the more I see, the more it just feels so much like as we've said this before. You know, like the ship has left the dock culturally. And, uh, and that if you look around uh, enough, it can be depressing, I, uh, what we see around us. So I was reading this passage, and I thought, how, you know, we've read these words before. And sometimes when we talk about overcoming the world, we're just sort of like, yeah, okay. But the question is, how can we really bring this home and, and make it poignant and make it meaningful? Uh, and so this week... Uh, I came across a video that's um, it's a little edgy. Uh, it's an animation, and uh, it's everything from the art, the artistry of it, to what it's saying and portraying, speaks to the bankrupt culture. Uh, and so, <laughs> I decided uh, as I was driving here this morning that that would be helpful for us to maybe wrap our arms around the power of the good news and what it means to overcome the world. So I, uh, I want us to uh, watch this uh, little couple of minute animation uh, and then we'll talk about overcoming the world. So that is, um, I think, uh, uh, a good way of wrapping our arms around the darkness of this world. That it's not uh, simply about, um, you know, current politics or, 
uh, not about uh, just what's happening in my own uh, in my own little universe, but it speaks to the darkness and alienation and uh, a superficiality uh, of this world. Uh, and uh, when we uh, uh, and it's really and you know when you when you watch it, of course. You see, everyone has the, their their smartphone, uh, and uh, and uh, isolated from the people around them, uh, not caring, no empathy, uh, a kindness, and certainly in certain respects, it's an uh, it's an exaggeration, but it's meant to make a point, uh, and uh, we need to recognize that when we turn to a passage in the scriptures like 1 John chapter 5, there really is a difference when we know the Lord. There really is a particular kind of uh, human uh, dignity, uh, mutual uh, concern, love for others that is in stark contrast to the world around us in general. And my guess is, that perhaps even some of us who are here feel that alienation, uh, feel a sense of hopelessness, uh, disconnected perhaps from, uh, you know, from real relationship with others uh, or with God or with uh, ourselves. And we wonder, you know, what am, what am I doing here? And uh, uh, sadly... Uh, you know, in, in a big way, what we see is, you know, the world of people uh, who think that they are in the light are walking off a cliff. You know, and, and just as I'm speaking, it kind of reminds me of what you read about in um, a little bit of what you read about in, in the first chapter uh, of, uh, of the book of Romans, when it says in verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling animals, crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over to the lusts of their hearts, to the impurity of their bodies, that their, that their bodies might be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We're going to stop there. And so we think that we are sophisticated. We think that we, are, uh, uh, we are, uh, uh, have progressed uh, and, uh, and that days past uh, are uh, old and antiquated. And how sad it is to see how degraded the world has become. Even though, you know, just about every sin known to man is as old as Adam and Eve, 
uh, sin has not been glorified in the way that it is today. Uh, And when you come to this passage, uh, may we appreciate what we have in Messiah Yeshua and therefore what we have in our own, you know, in our own lives. So we see here in um, uh, chapter 5 of 1 John, whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God. And so first we see here, John is emphasizing over and over again, uh, loving one another. That's why, you know, this little book is a challenge to preach from each week because he repeats himself over and over again uh, about loving one another. But now he's moving toward another aspect of this. So he says what he has said before, whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah uh, is born of God. So here, if you have trusted in Messiah Yeshua, recognize that that is a miraculous act of God. It is not natural to believe and embrace Yeshua. I'm not talking about simply agreeing with a doctrinal statement or uh, this is the way I was raised. But I mean, if we have had an encounter with Yeshua and we say, I trust in him, I know he's the Messiah. This comes from God. This is what it means to be born from above, to be birthed from God. We're still the same people, but there is a newness about us. There is a newness about, even if we struggle with it, because the struggle is also from God. If we didn't struggle with it, you know, if, in other words, if we just said, well, you know, yeah, I believe it, but my life is, uh, you know, it doesn't affect my life in any way. You know, I, uh, as, as my father once said to me when I was telling him uh, that when I, when I graduated from college, I was going to go to Moody Bible Institute. Uh, which was, in a way, worse than telling him that I believed in Yeshua, uh, because, as he said to me, it's one thing to believe it. Does it have to affect your life? You know? Uh, And, uh, of course, we're not talking, therefore, about religious exercise or, you know, instead of going to uh, Beth something else, I go to Beth Messiah now or something like that. But... Uh, it means that we are born of God. And how do we know that? We can know it in our kishkas. We can know it inside of us. But we know it for sure if it indeed affects our life. That's how we know. You know, exhibit A, it affects my life. And uh, according to John here, uh, uh, and as quoted from Yeshua, right? Uh, that the, whoever loves the Father loves the one or the child born of him. That if we love God, we're going to love people, right? We say that all the time, don't we? You know, loving God, loving people, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself, uh, right? And so 
he is, uh, he's actually sort of now circling the plane because soon the letter is going to end. So he's going to bring something out about this. He says, by this we know we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. How do we know that we love God? Uh, uh, by, in other words, he said, we know we love the children of God when we love God. And we love the commandments. We observe the commandments. Doesn't it sound a lot like the Shema? Right? It does, because my guess is uh, this may have very well been on what was on uh, John's mind. Uh, when we go back, all the way back to Deuteronomy, and this is not the only place we'll see that we're talking about this book of the Bible. In uh, Deuteronomy, when he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So he says, We are loyal to you only, God. And then it says, it is a command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your might. Uh, now, then, oh, then he says, and these words which I'm commanding you today shall be in your heart. Okay, so we can stop there for now. All right, so he's, you shall love the Lord your God with every bit of you. You know, that's a tall order to ask a question like that, to, to give a command like that. How can you command someone to love? Now listen, you got to love God. So how do you respond? Okay, all right, I'll love God, you know? And then am I okay now if I love God? All right, now leave me alone, you know? All right? Uh, so it, it can't be uh, uh, something that, like an emotion of, uh, of loving God and having just, you know, like, the, like a weeping feeling of loving God. And sometimes I think that that's, even though in our head we might not really think that we, and we really do think that, right? Sometimes I think that many of us think, do I really love God? How come when I, you know, when I listen to a song, I don't get all weepy? Or I, or I don't get like verklempt, you know, when I'm getting all choked up. That's what that means. I, I, uh, you know, when, when I'm thinking about what, what, what God did to me. Well, that is, that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. But that is not really what it means. That's not the primary Meaning of loving God. Loving God is following him. Loving God is uh, in the ancient world, right? When people were uh, uh, defined by a covenant relationship, you know, with a, with a king, with a leader, they would display love. And the word love was used in ancient, these ancient documents. Uh, the, uh, the king would love the people by protecting them and providing for them. The people would love the king by being loyal and obedient. And that is exactly how this is framed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Loving God with every bit of us. Every bit of our being. And when we love the Lord our God with every bit of our being, by the way, that means it's on our heart. Notice it says, these words that I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. That doesn't just come in the new covenant right? That the word shall be on your heart. That is what God desired. And then not only that, but it's on the front burner. The front burner means that we're thinking about these things and we're teaching them to our children in the morning, at night, and, you know, uh, uh, proliferating all over our very being, right? Uh, and then we have, you know, binding them for a sign in your hand, they shall be as frontals on your forehead, uh, I know that that is, of course, uh, where we get the 
concept of tefillin from, from this verse. You know, uh, the word on our forehead and on our arm. But may I suggest that perhaps it also might include in our minds uh, and, in, and in our work and what we do. And that uh, we're known for it. It's written on the doorposts of our house. And not only that, but in the public square, right? On our ga- in our gates, outside, inside, permeating all that we are, that, that we love God. And when we love God that way, we will, uh, it will indeed take a hold of us. And that's what he's talking about. It will take a hold of us uh, and... We will, by our nature now, new nature, in Messiah Yeshua, we will love, uh, we will indeed uh, love others. Uh, and loving others is, of course, uh, means showing deference to one another, human dignity to one another. The antithesis of what we just saw, that when we know the Lord, there is an alternative to all of this. It's not just repair uh, the world. It's not just put down the smartphone. What the world needs is a transformation from the inside out. And you see, that is what we experience in Messiah Yeshua to varying degrees wherever we are, uh, you know, uh, in our walk uh, with God. It may be that we're, that we're stuck, you know, at the very beginning place. Uh, well, thank the Lord you're at the very beginning place, you know? What do I mean by stuck at the very beginning place? I mean that I don't seem to see much victory in my life. I know who I am in Messiah, but uh, I don't seem to be able to get to point B. I don't seem to get to the next place. First, be encouraged that you are at point A, okay? Because the majority of people in this world are not in the game, Okay? The majority of people in this world are not where you are. So first be encouraged there. And you are not, uh, God is not, never going to compare you to anybody else, right? So when you stand before God, he's, he's not going to say to you, so Howard, uh, you know, what about uh, so-and-so over here? You know, they seem to have their act together. What about you? That's God is not going to, uh, uh, not going to do that. Uh, so be, rest assured, we do that all the time. Whether we, we can't help ourselves, we're human. That's what we do. But we we need to understand that uh, the only one that we're ever compared to is Yeshua. So we're all in the same place. Okay, uh, uh, very important. Now, uh, when he says here, this is the love of. Now in verse three, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Well, that's good news, but I don't seem to experience it that way, right? It seems that it is burdensome. It seems that uh, I am, I, I read the Bible uh, and I see what I'm supposed to do, but I don't seem to be able to do it. And it is interesting that you read uh, in, uh, in the Gospels what Yeshua says in Matthew chapter 11. He says here in verse 28, chapter 11, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now that is interesting, just just there. Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Sometimes, even though we know the Lord, we act 
the way our lives are playing out, there's not a whole lot of difference between me and just anybody else. So my guess is uh, that many of us may be weary and heavy laden. And then on top of it, the guilt of saying, but I know the Lord and I don't seem to be able to, I don't seem to be able to over, overcome that, right? Yeshua says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my load is light, right? And so wait a minute, my yoke is easy and my load is light. I'm not experiencing that. I ex- I'm experiencing the heavy yoke. I'm experiencing the hard yoke and the heavy load, right? Uh, how come? Okay. Well, again, first, count yourself blessed that you realize it, that you realize it, okay? Uh, you know, another thing in this animation is... Is, is that people are numb. People are numb, just numb to the realities of this world. And what happens when you know the Lord, the Novocaine wears off. And sometimes we really feel lousy when we come to know Messiah Yeshua. Because now, wow, it's like, no, I'm not wearing this veil of rationalizations. And, and I see, you know, who I am. And the good news is, is, uh, as uh, John shared it last week, right? Uh, the atonement that we have in Messiah, the removal of our sins. But how does this uh, uh, play out uh, in my real life? Okay, I, I see who I am and I know the hope that I have, but why does it seem burdensome? Well, it's interesting. Again, back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, this time in chapter 30. This is a very faint, this evidently, was a very famous passage in, in uh, ancient Judaism. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses says, uh, in beginning in verse uh, 11, actually beginning in verse 10, he says, If you obey the Lord to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, taking that part from the Shema, For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us to get it for us and make us hear it that we may observe it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may observe it. And then he says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, so that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to uh, possess it. And then he warns them, but if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, you will surely perish. And so living equals serving, obeying equals loving God. Turning from God equals not obeying, not loving, and not living. Now, Paul in the Brit Hadashah, in the book of Romans, takes this passage 
and applies it directly to Yeshua in uh, Romans chapter 10. And you know what's interesting is that in a lot of the, um, the, liter- the Jewish literature of the day, let's just say that, the Jewish literature of the day takes this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and applies it in varieties of ways. Uh, and so Paul, uh, in keeping in a way with uh, the popularity of this passage, uh, applies it to Yeshua. And he says here, uh, in verse, um, verse 4, I'll just stop, start there. For Messiah is the, uh, is the end or the completion or the um, totality okay, uh, of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Or the goal, the goal for, of, of law for, of, for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that a man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. Moreover, which is a better word than but here, moreover, the righteousness based on faith speaks this way. Do not say in your heart who shall... Now he's going to, he's going to um, um, quote parts of this passage in Deuteronomy. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Yeshua as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For for with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Okay? So, Yeshua is the goal of the whole thing. When we know Messiah Yeshua, now we are in this place by, uh, by our uh, state of being in the Messiah that the Torah is placed in our heart. We are now empowered because the Lord lives within us. The Ruach HaKodesh indwells us. And now we are empowered to live this life. And if we obey the commandments, then there's joy and there's peace. And there's satisfaction, uh, and they are not burdensome. Okay, so how uh, then uh, do uh, we get there? He says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that we have. Uh, the victory that has overcome the world: our faith, our trust, and embracing of, of Yeshua. Why? Because He is the goal of the whole thing. Uh, he is indeed." identified with Hashem, the God of Israel. And when, when we embrace him, therefore the Torah is in our hearts. We have a relationship with God that we could have never had uh, uh, before. And now, because Yeshua has risen from the dead, we rise from the dead, and there is victory. And the one, and who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Yeshua is the son, uh, the son of God. You know, it's interesting that back in the Gospel of John, uh, Yeshua says that he overcomes the world, right? That we shouldn't worry. In this world, there's tribulation, but he has overcome the world. And here he says, and, and you have overcome the world. Like Yeshua, you have overcome the world. It doesn't mean that we're taken out of the world But now we can navigate through this and we can be light in the midst of darkness. 
and we can care for one another, and we can have the joy of mutual blessing where we give and we receive uh, uh, from God, and God is in our midst, and there is indeed this joy uh, inexpressible. How do we do this? Okay, so he's talked about obeying the word. How do we do that? Well, you know, we know the commandment. How do we know the commandment? How do we know what it is that we're supposed to do to have this life? Well, we know it from the scriptures. That's how we know it, right? Uh, And uh, we need to, therefore, engage uh, the text of the Bible. We're going to be learning all about that this afternoon, right? As we begin our observational Bible study uh, uh, course, we're going to learn right out of the gate uh, that what happens when we interact with the Word that we are interacting with God. Not that we're worshiping the Bible, you know, uh, far, far, you know, may that never be. But we are interacting with God because it is the Word of God. And, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, I don't want to say now, you'll fall asleep this afternoon. So, you know, we're going to talk about what is it that God desires that we get out of the text. And when we read it, we need to read it in such a way that it's not just for information's sake. In other words, just learn it so that I, I, know I have the information. Okay, I have the information that I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Okay, that's information. You get it. But how does that become real in my life? It becomes real in my life by interacting with God. And one of the big ways of doing that is in the text of the Bible. In the way that we engage the text, see? Sometimes, though, we read the Bible, you know, people will say, you know, uh, this uh, guy made a vow, like here's a real strange way of interacting with the text, right? This guy made a vow, and when his daughter came, you know, that the first thing that comes out of his house, he's going to sacrifice, and so his daughter came out of his house, and so uh, therefore I can uh, cut people up. Because the Bible says so. You know, obviously there are twisted, you know, there are twisted people in this world that, that would read it like that. Or just take something and say, this is, what, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. That's what it is. Right? So the, the, positive, the positive part is, okay, you want to interact with the text. But you have to know how to do that. Right? Ay, 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 ay. We didn't know how to do that. And so that's what we want to understand. We need to know how to interact with the text. We are so blessed to have Bibles, the Word of God in the language that we know and that we speak. Because as we interact with the text, God will change us. It's not a case of just getting information and, and processing information and then, and then figuring out how to do it. You would be surprised that with a consistent desire to read the text over and over and more and more, you will see your life changed. You see it. It is, it is interacting uh, with, uh, with God. And so when he talks about uh, you know, keeping his commandments and the one who overcomes the world is the one who has, the one who has victory uh, is the one who embraces uh, Yeshua. When we embrace Yeshua, we are living in the we are living in the habitation of God. 
We are living in the presence of, of a God. That means that God is on the front burner, you know, in our minds. Does it mean then that everything, uh, uh, everything's coming up roses? No, it doesn't mean that, right? Okay, it doesn't mean that at all. But it means that I can navigate. I can navigate through that world, that dark world. I don't leave that dark world, but I can navigate through it. And the marvelous thing is, is that uh, in Messiah, we have this uh, uh, interaction with God and with others. And so therefore, we have this mutual, what every human being needs, this mutual acceptance, mutual dignity, mutual forgiveness, bearing with one another. As we practice these things, you will see that life uh, changes. As we pray and as we engage the text, not just read the Bible, but engage the text of the Scripture. Now, we're going to talk more about that this afternoon. But it is grounded. Notice here, as this passage continues, you have these strange verses. This is the one who came by water and blood, Yeshua the Messiah. Not with water only, but with water and the blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness. Because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that bear witness. The Spirit and the water and the blood. And the three are in agreement. What? Right? If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For the witness of God is this, that, it, that he has borne witness concerning his Son. Uh, we'll stop there. So what does that mean? What he is saying here, I would suggest, water and blood, is speaking about Yeshua's life and death. And that probably this was some kind of uh, some kind of creed, like a creedal statement, like this was a saying among the early believers, you know, water and blood, and that it speaks of Yeshua's incarnation and his death, and then when it says, uh, when it says his, uh, his, and it is the Spirit who bears witness, I would suggest that it speaks of the resurrection and the ascension, and the pouring out of the Ruach HaKodesh, what we would call the entire finished work of Messiah. The life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the entire moment, what we call the first coming of, of Yeshua, the coming of the Messiah, we could say. That that is what that is, is speaking of. And then when he says they bear witness, it's in a way a play on words, in the sense that it goes back again to Deuteronomy. I won't take the time to go there, but in Deuteronomy, where a truth is adjudicated by two or three witnesses. And so here you have water, blood, and spirit. Uh, and he's speaking of the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the pouring out of the Spirit of God. And that this really happened. Uh, it is not just a thought. Yeshua was not an idea. He was real, a real person, and he really lived, and he really died, and he really rose from the dead, and he really ascended to the right hand of the Father, and he really poured out the Spirit, and real lives were changed. That is the testimony that we have, that it's real. And that's what John is saying. He's saying, this is all grounded in a historical event, and that when we embrace that historical event, transformation begins to happen. When you read in Acts chapter 2 about Peter, Peter is a beautiful illustration of this, right? 
Because remember, you know, Peter the, uh, the apostle, Peter the, the disciple, first Peter the disciple, right? And uh, Peter uh, believes and uh, Yeshua is Peter is close to Yeshua, right? But then Yeshua dies. What does he do? He, he basically disavows knowing him, right? I don't know him. Don't know that man, right? Now, if you or I did that today, we would be kicking ourselves. We'd be saying, you know, oh, I blew it. Ah, you know, I, who am I? I don't know what I believe, right? Yeah. So then Yeshua ra is raised from the dead, and, of course, he meets the women coming, and he says, tell them to come, and, you know, what? I love this little thing, and tell Peter too, he says. It's in the text. And tell Peter too, like, to come. It's not the end for him, right? All right? And then, of course, uh, eventually, you know, 40 days later, Yeshua ascends to the right hand of, the, of God, the Father, and then 10 days later, the Spirit of God is poured out on Shavuot, and he's a changed man. He's a changed man. Why? Because he has overcome the world. He has overcome the world in Messiah Yeshua. Not that he's any different from you or I. And we have the opportunity to live that kind of life, to be real overcomers, if we have a passion for the Lord, if we have a passion for the Word of God. If we take the time to pray, we will see that our worldview changes. The way we view everything changes as we are engaged in, this, in the Scriptures. But if we ask ourselves, oh, why is, my, my, why, is my life not any, why is my life not any different? Well, do you, are, are you reading the Bible? No, not really. Do you pray? No, not really. Are you in good fellowship with, you know, fellowship meaning not just going bowling with a good friend who happens to be a believer, but are, do you pray with anyone? Do you, do, you, do you share the Word of God together with anyone? No. Well, there you go. Okay? That uh, there are disciplines to follow to engage God in this dynamic way. Right? And so in the life of Yeshua, we have indeed the Messiah. Uh, and in his death, we have our sins are taken away. Right? Uh, and he took them upon himself, right? So that now we are reconciled to God. The alienation is gone. We are reconciled to God, which means that now I can be reconciled to myself and to the world around me, and I can really engage people because I know who I am in Messiah Yeshua. I know that I am a person created in the image and likeness of God, and I'm called to serve him and to obey his word which is a joy when we desire God, when we desire God. Uh, and, uh, and so, therefore, uh, you know, the question is, what do you really want? What do we really want? Uh, if we really want uh, to live like an overcomer, that you are in Messiah, this is the way to, uh, to do it. And so he says, the one who believes, in verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. The one who does not believe has made him a liar because he has not believed in the witness that God has borne according to his son. And the witness is this, that God has given us eternal life, life forever, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son uh, of God does not have the life. 
You know, isn't it amazing that if you go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30, the one who obeys the commandments has the life. The one who does not obey the commandments does not have the life. That's what Moses says. John says here, the the one who obeys God, the one who embraces God has the life. Choose life. Choose life. Sometimes we talk ourselves into, like, I am not an overcomer. I am not, I I will never be able to uh, walk with God. But no, believe what is right and recognize that we are not stuck in this world, but we actually have the answer. We have the antidote. We have the alternative way of life. Life indeed in Messiah Yeshua, which is a rich, dynamic life. And so may I suggest to us that focus on that desire that kind of life and say, you know, I can do that. Don't just look at other people and say, boy, I wish I had that kind of life. You know, someone uh, said not too long ago, I can't remember where I heard it, that if if you look at someone and you say, boy, I wish I was like them, that uh, maybe they just wanted it more, you know? And so this life of, uh, of, of, of overcoming, this life of community, this life of light, this life of overcoming the, uh, the, the uh, you know, not getting sucked into the culture of this world, which is very negative, very negative, very defeatist, uh, very depressing, and hopeless. But, you know, he said it 30 or 40 years ago, but Francis Schaeffer talked about rising above the line of despair. He talked about in music and in art, and in entertainment, and in what we create, we see despair all around us, right? Even at the water fountain, maybe at work, where everybody's just complaining. All we do is complain, right? But you know, in the Lord, we, we can rise above that despair, and we can live as victorious people, people who are, as we also read in the Brit Hadashah, more than conquerors. And we live that life as we engage God, as we engage him in his word, as we engage him in prayer, as we engage him in community, uh, may we desire it. And, uh, you know, remember that God loves us unconditionally, that we are in him. He's never going to give up on you, even though you may give up on him. He's never going to give up on you. And yes, that yoke is easy. And yes, that load is light when we really place ourselves under the yoke of Yeshua and just stay there. Just stay there. Don't run away. Just stay there and stick it out and you will indeed see it. You will indeed have it. You will indeed spread it. And that is how we transform this world. Let's pray. Lord God, may we not be stuck in this malaise and this depressing, uh, uh, alienating, selfish, superficial way of life, Lord, but may we be overcomers. May we be different. May we be able to experience hope and joy and peace in this dark world. Lord, you have delivered us from the domain of darkness to the kingdom of your beloved Son. We don't live there anymore. Lord, I pray that we would have our eyes fixed on Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, I pray that we would recognize that That by living out your word, we are indeed loving you. Sometimes we have a hard time saying, I love you. But Lord, 
may we begin to practice our love of you. And Lord, I pray that by our desire to do so, and your empowerment via the Ruach HaKodesh, we would be victorious. Lord, I pray for each of us here, especially if we are experiencing or feel this alienated, misunderstood, not understood, lonely, and wondering what life is all about. Lord, I pray, God, that you would break into our lives, break into each one's life, Lord, so that they may know and experience who you are. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would be a living embodiment of Yeshua and that we would show that kind of love and dignity and care for each other. Yes, Lord, we do have a will and we can wallow in our own pitifulness or we can say, Lord, I want to rise above it. And in you, in you, and only in you, I can. Lord, thank you, God, for this great word uh, from John. Thank you, God, for life in Messiah. We pray in Messiah's name.